one of the best things that I think we can all be aware of when we're wrestling with shoulds is like, how does this feel in my body? Mm-hmm. When I contemplate that this is this should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what comes up for me? What are the emotions? What are the signals that I'm getting from my gut or from my heart or from mm-hmm. my flesh? From my tear ducts and my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are the messages I'm getting from my innermost self? Welcome to Mind Witchery. I'm your host, Natalie Miller, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi there. Welcome to Mind Witchery. I'm so happy to have my bestie and fellow life coach, Emma Magenta, back on the pod with me today. Hi, Emma. Hey, lady. Did you know, Emma, our Conjuring Faith episode is one of the top downloaded episodes of Mind Witchery? I did not know that. What an honor. I know. It's amazing. So if you haven't already checked out that episode called Conjuring Faith, definitely want to take a look for that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, But Emma and I go way, way back. We have evolved a ton personally and professionally together. And I knew she would be the perfect person to bring on for a very timely episode today. So today's episode is Conjuring Holiday Sovereignty. Sovereignty meaning I show up like I want. I show up as the person I love to be. I show up in a self-honoring way. I hold boundaries and I navigate this tricky season from a centered and responsive, not reactive, but responsive place. Right on time. Right on time. Because... As you know, here come the holidays, and whichever ones you celebrate or don't, it is generally a time of, let's say, increased expectation of familial intimacy. (laughs) Or at least proximity. (laughs) Yes, yes. Familial proximity. I love it. Yeah. And it's also this year, for many people, what I'm hearing is that this is like, okay, I haven't seen my people, the cousins, whatever, right, in two years now. And it's time, like we're finally getting back together, or I can't avoid it. And everyone's vaccinated now, so I can't avoid it anymore. And even if you're not celebrating holidays together, I know there are a lot of like, I haven't met my new niece yet. Mm. I haven't seen my parents in a long time. So that is just sort of in the air right now. And I wanted to give you a good week before American Thanksgiving holiday to steep in some of what Emma and I are going to be talking about today around holiday sovereignty and really just showing up empowered and on purpose through what can often be like, let's, don't you think, Emma, part of like growing up is realizing the holidays can suck. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. My experience of the holidays actually is that I loved the holidays when I was a kid. I loved Christmas. And um, then in my early 20s, my parents split up around the holidays. Mm. So in my life, I have a definite like before times and after times mm -hmm. where it's like before times the holidays meant x and in the after times the holidays were much more complex and i remember clearly um in the first the first year after my parents split up um spending the holidays um like really not celebrating them at all mm -hmm. that first year mm -hmm. yeah so it's complicated I think for me, you know, I've always loved Thanksgiving because it's a very, in my experience, it's been a very flexible holiday. Thanksgiving, I've spent with friends. I've spent alone with pizza. I've spent with my family. Growing up, we always had Thanksgiving. My mom always hosted Thanksgiving for our extended family. So I've had Thanksgiving lots of different ways, and I love how that holiday like on purpose, we say it's going to just be four days. We're just going to go ahead and do four <laughs> days. And even when I was working retail and it was not four days, it was one day followed by a 4 a.m. retail work morning. Um, I still always loved that we kind of we took a chunk of time every year mm -hmm. to say, let's just pause the Christmas holiday, which my family celebrates, I've always had a really hard time with, in part because um, we'll just say members in my family, me included, are not great at balancing giving and receiving. <laughs> in fact, maybe it's very difficult for some of us to receive. Wait, um, maybe. <laughs> raise, raising, raising my hand, right? Um, but also easy for us to overgive. And so there was always just this like kind of icky glut of ugh, imbalance mm -hmm. and stuff at the mm -hmm. Christmas holiday. And I was just, I was never, I was never so much a fan. So, yeah. um, so just want to acknowledge from the get go that it's a laden time. It's a laden yeah. time. It's got a lot of memories in it. It's got a lot of expectations in it. It's got um, a little bit of time out of time in it because our schedule, our regularly scheduled programming gets interrupted November, December, right? Um, Hanukkah will show up differently every year. Like everything, there's just kind of some some longer interruption through that time. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, you know, with that interruption comes, I think, potential for freedom and for being different and also mm -hmm. um, instability so that some of our routines and rituals are disrupted. And that can be kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so great that you're talking about this topic and I'm so honored that you brought me on to um, just be a part of the conversation about it. I feel like even over the course of my lifetime, people have gotten like just the general conversation of the culture. I feel like people in general are more aware of how laden and another word I really like to describe the holidays is fraught. Fraught. How incredibly fraught the holidays can be. Mm -hmm. um, and we know how even for kids, it can be uh, sort of a situation where there's a lot of sort of treats around, there's a lot of gifts, there's staying up late, mm -hmm. there's 
there's a lot of family around. I think even for children, it can be a very complicated time. And definitely for adults, when you have a lifetime or half a lifetime, a couple of decades, <laughs> three or four decades worth of experience mm -hmm. of the holidays in your past, like, I feel like the holidays are definitely something that each person has their own personal individual relationship with. And that relationship can be a positive one and a joyful one, or it can be really kind of painful, like a painful time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, since my father passed away, the holidays are always uh, a moment of just remembering and marking his his absence, you know, and that's new. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, your story about your parents' divorce and then, you know, the thing is, is as time rolls on and our circumstances and families shift and change, so too does our relationship to the holidays. And so, year to year, depending on what's been happening, what we will need in order to be able to show up with integrity is mm -hmm. going to shift and change. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. That That's a great segue to um, this conversation about sovereignty. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so Emma, you shared with me, Emma and I are our voxing friends. We, <laughs> we, we, we fondly refer to Voxer to this, this voice messaging app as like our version of 19th century letter writing, like <laughs> the best long philosophical missives, but also <laughs> randomly just like, oh, I just got back from this acupuncture appointment and it was so wild. Let me tell you about it. So, um, but anyway, uh, Emma, you visited your you visited your dad for like a good long haul this fall. I did. Um, and you left me a vox about it that knocked me out. And it was a it was a self-honoring, integrity-based boundaries setting with your pop. Will you will you share what happened? I would love to. So um my dad and I are super close. I was the third child of three and my mother was um, an obstetrician and my, and my father was a farmer, still is a farmer. And so I, um, really my dad was my primary caregiver when I was a kid. And because um, of various circumstances, um, I had the opportunity to go out and spend a month with him in September. He and my stepmother have a farm in Kansas with sheep. And it's always been sort of a place of refuge for me to go there. And one of the most painful things about the pandemic for me was, um, of course, that I couldn't see family that was far flung, but also just that I couldn't go back there and be in that place, that farm. It's not the farm that I grew up on, but it's in the kind of same general area. And it's just a real place of sanctuary for me. So... I got out there. It's kind of a pain traveling from New Jersey to Kansas. And then it's a long, it's a long car ride. And fortunately, I have other family there who I got to see before I got there. And by the time I arrived at my dad's house, I felt really pretty emotionally tired and strung out. And I was kind of vaguely aware of that. Um, and he, of course, was really happy to see me and um, he, that first day that I got there, um, they have a furnished basement and we went down there and, um, uh, he showed me a couple of boxes, one of which was actually an ancient suitcase 
um, that I really think is probably from like, I don't know, 1918. Like the suitcase was really old. And another really ancient looking wooden box. And he said, listen, I have a lot of family pictures in here and I want to look at them with you at some point during this trip. I was like, oh, okay. So then the next day, I was literally taking a nap down in the basement. And I went in September and it was really hot. They've got they've got a spare room down there. And so it's super cool. So I went down there to sort of escape the heat and um, take a nap. And I was literally napping. And my dad, um, who I adore, he was so excited to have me there that he woke me up from my nap. I mean, in a very like innocuous way, he kind of poked his head down the stairs and was like, you awake? And of course, I was like, no, I'm not freaking awake. Like I'm sleeping. And then I was like, "Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I am awake. And then he came downstairs and he started, um, he was so excited to show me, he started unpacking these boxes. And I was kind of like, uh, okay, I guess we're unpacking these boxes now. And he showed me this thing and he showed me that thing. And I was trying as politely as I possibly could to indicate without saying it that I was really not in a headspace to look at these, to look at these old family things, to look Mm -hmm. at these pictures and oh my God. I mean, this is not exactly what was in there, but the types of things that were in there were like flyers from my great 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 grandfather's drugstore mm. um letters from my great grandfather's second wife mm. to my grandmother like all of this family stuff that was I think this is a really key thing about the story it was not at all junk to me mm-hmm. and it was not at all junk to my dad it was something really important and meaningful and I was standing there while he was unpacking this stuff, and I got more and more upset. And it was one of those things where, like, you feel yourself. I felt myself um, starting to well up, and I almost could, I, I could not figure out what was going on. Like, mm-hmm. I was so upset in the moment. And um, finally, I just had to say directly to him, Dad, I cannot do this right now. I cannot do this. And he was so excited about the stuff. And he knew that I was interested in the stuff that he was just kind of confused. And then, of course, the tears started. I did start crying. And I said, Dad, I am coming off of a really intense period of time, like everybody else in the country. My personal pandemic story is that early on in the pandemic, a member of my family died of COVID. And then um, my husband and and I had all kinds of ups and my dog actually died. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not the same as losing a person, but my dog died at the beginning of the pandemic. My husband and I had all the types of ups and downs that everybody else had during the pandemic. And then right before I left for this enormous month-long trip with my father, um, Hurricane Ida hit New Jersey And literally the night before I was supposed to fly out, I had to um, postpone my flight. My basement flooded with a foot of water. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I had to do all the things that you have to do when your basement floods, which Mm -hmm. is moving stuff around, calling the insurance company, Mm -hmm. getting everything cleaned up. It was extremely stressful. So that by the time I arrived in this place of sanctuary for myself, Mm -hmm. 
um, I really needed to um, be really still and quiet and not make very many demands on myself. And I certainly was in no emotional condition to look through important, meaningful old family papers. So I just kind of poured all this out to my father. I was like, listen, I can't do this right now. I am. Com- this is the situation I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, okay. Um, and after that, he gave, so he gave me space in the moment. And then after that, during the entirety of the trip, I had this sense that he, he sort of backed way off in general in terms of what his expectations were of me. And then what was great was that slowly over the month, I, um, this is kind of a weird phrase to use, but I got better. Yeah. Slowly over the month. It's a, it's really beautiful there. It's the countryside. There's no, um, there's no traffic noise. There's no, like, there's no horns honking. There's no exhaust smells. There's, Mm -hmm. there's no concrete. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's dirt roads and beautiful prairie and, um, animals. And that's what I grew up in. So that's what feels really comforting to me. So slowly over the period of that month, I was really able to restore myself. Um, and I was really glad that I set such a firm boundary at the beginning. I'm sorry it had to get to the point where I like literally kind of had to break down to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wasn't, but I didn't, I wasn't really, I didn't really know. No, I do you know. know what I mean? I, do. I didn't really know until I was in it what emotional condition I was in. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as I think about it, you know, I always love using the the smartphone battery metaphor for this. It's like you, your battery was on red. <laughs> you were, ba- you barely made it. <laughs> like, like you, you had to postpone your flight. You barely made it there. And you're, and it was just like one of those situations where you're like, I can't even try to do anything on this phone. I just got to plug it in because it is <laughs> like, like this phone can't even tell me anything. It's like, I just got to plug it in right now and I need to recharge. Right. And I think that so many of us right now find ourselves with a very low battery after 2020, 2021, after And in many ways also, Emma, I think you'll agree, we are just now integrating some of the huge changes that happened. And whether they are positive changes or, you know, they were disappointing changes, like we're just now starting to integrate those, right? Like they Mm -hmm. happened along, maybe they happened six months ago, a year ago, 18 months ago, but it's like, we're just now really, I think, paying for it. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's all been on an energetic credit card and those bills are due. Those bills are due right now. Yeah. Love that. Like that kind of goes, so two things that, two thoughts that occur to me from that. First of all, um, I feel like everybody's talking about this, but nobody's really living into it, which is the fact that everything now is going back to normal. And I think in our eagerness for things to be normal, 
we forget how traumatic this these last couple of years have been for us. And I mean, that's true for me and I had a death in the family and all this other stuff happened, but it's even true for people who maybe on the surface, not that much changed about their lives. Mm -hmm. It was so excruciatingly stressful Mm -hmm. for virtually everybody on the planet, even people who were pretty comfortable, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that a really common thing I hear from my clients who are comfortable is that they're like, oh, like, like they feel like they have no right to, um, acknowledge or honor the extreme stress of the situation that we had, right? Mm -hmm. And I think people even forget what it was like in March, April, May of 2020, Mm -hmm. like when we were all (laughs) washing our groceries, yeah, washing our groceries, and you didn't know. Right. Well, like they didn't know how you got it. Yeah. And I mean, and in the United States, we're washing our groceries and we're watching Donald Trump campaign for reelection. 100 percent. And we're watching Black Lives Matter re-erupt at all of the egregious. Yes. Violence. Right. So, I mean, like when we really think about everything that was happening in 2020, that alone is like. I mean, it hasn't even been a year since the insurrection at the Capitol. That was yeah. not even a year ago. Yeah. No? And it's just like all of that, wherever you live in the world, is so much to recover from, much less the shifts and changes that have happened in your own life. Like what happened for your kids when they were schooled virtually and and what are you discovering now about the effects of that of that year and you know where are there still you know outbreaks happening and where is there vaccine resistance that you are looking at you know so i think all of that we do got to just try even though it's mm. it's almost unfathomable it's like let's try to fathom it because mm-hmm. It really is so much. And it is the context for the kinds of like get togethers and and the and even if you're not getting together with people, even if you're just enjoying a little bit of extra spaciousness in your life in November and December, the context is that, right? Mm-hmm. That like the world literally in California burned down. <laughs> My God, it's so embarrassing to say this. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about that that was going on also in in California at the same yeah. time. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's really, it's extraordinary. Okay, so what I love about your story about your dad um, is that you you were able to create space around the emotion that came up. So... I know for me so often the emotion comes up and I just immediately react. I'll be cold or I'll be cranky, right? That's a very easy kind of a a, a kind of quick reaction. I feel the emotion coming and I just explode or retreat, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Fight or flee. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time, I've gotten better and I'm still always working on it. But I love that you created just a little bit of space around that emotion and you were able to express what was happening for you. And, of course, that you and your dad have the kind of relationship where you're safe to do that. 
Thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that yeah. insight. It was so unexpected mm-hmm. when it came up. It was so unexpected. And it was like you and I talk all the time about how one part of your one part of yourself can really want something. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to look through those papers and things. Mm-hmm. But um, your brain, I'll just use these sort of like terms as shorthand, right? Your brain and your heart or your brain and your body are not always on the same page. Right. And I think that um, that's a really common experience to think, to have your brain engaged on one track and be going down one track and be thinking, everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like that meme of the dog sitting in hell yeah. at the table where he's what? like, this is fine. Everything's yeah. fine. And meanwhile, everything's on fire. Right. Yeah. So it's like your brain is on that track, but then your body and your emotional life, all of these other aspects of yourself mm-hmm. can be doing something totally different, can have different needs, can want something different. And in that moment, I had this sense that the organism of my being, right, my animal nature mm-hmm. was kind of like rising up like in revolt and saying, no, yeah, <laughs> no, you're not doing this. This is a big ixnay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even just thinking about like you talked about how it's a, it's it feels very serene and peaceful and restorative to be there in the in Kansas, in the country. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know you got there on a plane where you mm-hmm. and everyone else were wearing masks. Yeah. Right. You know, like I know that, um, you know, even though it is lovely to get there, None of us have traveled as much as we are want to. And it's like, you know, it's it's fun that you mentioned the the everything is fine dog. I'm thinking about like these days when when my partner and I both leave the house at the same time, our dogs are like, um, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you don't actually leave anymore. So they're very like we leave the house and they're like, they don't understand. And I think our nervous systems are used to being at home. Yep. Even if we prefer to be in the country, our nervous systems are used to being in our home with our stuff. Um, and actually being in our home with our stuff has been a survival, like more than usually mm-hmm. <laughs> an assurance of our survival. Yeah. So that's like so, I think, important to remember. It's like, oh, right. Even if you... Even if it was nice to get away, even if you were in a place like getting there was stressful and mm-hmm. even being elsewhere right now can feel extra stressful to a nervous system that's not accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I love also about your story is that the the should thinking and the what a good daughter does thinking <laughs> didn't didn't come in and force you to be with him and with all of the family artifacts in a way that was not an integrity for you, right? So mm-hmm. let's just talk a little bit about that should thinking, right? Like, well, you know, we, we, we're never together, so we should spend the whole afternoon together. Yeah. Right? A good daughter helps prepare the meal and then helps clean up afterward, right? I'm talking about those kinds of thinking, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be very knee-jerk. It's almost, I was going to say instinctual. I don't think it's instinctual. I think it's very ingrained, these ideas Mm -hmm. of how to be. 
So um, what do you think? What's a nice way for our listener to bring a little more awareness to how that kind of thinking might be operating? Well, the problematic nature of shoulds is something that you and I have talked about for years, Mm -hmm. a long time. And one of the things I think that was notable about this trip in particular for for me in this particular situation in my life is that um, I really had the sense on this trip. So I'm 44 years old. I really had the sense on this trip that I was arriving there as an adult and that Mm -hmm. I was interacting with my father as an adult. Mm. Um, in a way that I have never, never had that before. And I had much more of this sense of personal sovereignty, mm-hmm. this sense of like, and this isn't like, I didn't even have words for this um, necessarily. It just was a felt sense that the only person that's capable of looking after my interests fully and effectively is me. Mm. So like when I think about this idea of shoulds and how so many of us get wrapped up in shoulds and what it means to be a good daughter or a good sister or a good mom around the holidays, um, one of the things I think about is how your most effective advocate is yourself. And that as you age, as you, or hopefully as as we grow, mm-hmm. um, if you're trying to um, live, live a life of self-awareness and self-growth. Hopefully what happens is that you get more and more conscious of the ways that those shoulds are so often in conflict with this sense of personal sovereignty. Mm. Like if you are the one that is most capable of, uh, or most fully capable of acting and perceiving what your interests are, um, so often those shoulds are dissonant. Mm -hmm. And one of the best um, sort of, I don't know, you and I hate the word tips. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best things that I think we can all be aware of when we're wrestling with shoulds is like, how does this feel in my body? Mm -hmm. When I contemplate that this is this should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what comes up for me? What are the emotions? What are the signals that I'm getting from my gut or from my heart or from Mm -hmm. my flesh? From my tear ducts and my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are the messages I'm getting from my innermost self? I love that. You know, another thing that I love to do is say, okay, substitute should for want, right? We should spend the whole afternoon together playing board games. Okay. I want to spend the whole afternoon together playing board games. It's like, mm, nope, that, that couldn't say that. <laughs> couldn't say and verify that, right? So, um, and, and I think there's also a piece, you know, to that dissonance point, Emma. Oftentimes when we are trying to enact a should that's not in integrity, it's not aligned with our what we truly want. Mm the effect of the attempt to enact the should is not what we intend, right? So this is what I mean. When I say to myself, we should spend the whole afternoon together playing board games, I'm thinking, yeah, because I want happy family time. I want to be engaged and having fun together, right? Mm -hmm. But if I attend family game afternoon, not really wanting to, Mm. I am not engaged. Mm -hmm. I am not fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
right? I'm snappish. I'm a little irritated. I'm, I'm not showing up the way that the should assumes I will, mm-hmm. right? So I actually love to kind of reverse engineer also, right? To say, okay, what's the vibe that I want? What's the quality want I want? What are what are the values? Like all in the qualitative realm. What are the values? What are the vibes? What am I really hoping for? What do I really want to live? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be in this afternoon with the family? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what do I think and do that helps me to conjure that? vibe. This goes back to one of our age-old coaching questions that we love, which is how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. How do I want to feel? Like if you're, if you know how you want to feel and the way that you want to feel is I want to feel um, close to my family. I want to feel engaged in a meaningful way. Then you have a lot more options. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes a lot more options can present themselves beyond just playing board games for a whole afternoon. Yeah. Well, yeah, creativity opens because there's lots of ways that I can conjure engagement. Maybe mm-hmm. what I want to do is go accompany my grandmother to the grocery store mm-hmm. and cook together. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what I want to do. Or, you know, maybe that uncle and that cousin that are really grating on my nerves, maybe Mm -hmm. I don't really want to engage with them, but I do want to engage with the little kids. And so maybe I can, you know, spearhead a trip to the park with the kids, something like that. Right. But Mm -hmm. we do, we get, we get access to creativity when we think about how do we want to feel. So I love that. Um, And, you know, Emma, there's another thing here that um, I got to be open to the various ways in which that could happen. I went on a family vacation once upon a time, and this was when my children were just old enough that they did not need constant supervision. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment on this family vacation where I'm reading a novel in a beach chair. My eldest bonus daughter is swimming. Mm -hmm. My middle daughter is creating beautiful sandcastles. My partner is back in the hut taking a nap, and the little one is, you know, kind of running all around, <laughs> as, as is her Gemini want, <laughs> running all around, you know, kind of checking in with all of the various parties and um, talking, to, talking and singing to herself. And I remember telling my therapist at the time, I was like, it was so delightful that day, it just felt like we could all do what we wanted to do. But immediately my should brain was like, that's not, that's not the way to be family. That's right? not a family. That's not family times. That's, that's like, that's, you know, parallel play. That's not family <laughs> times. And, you know, <laughs> she, she really helped me to, to see that, well, well, maybe actually for my family, that is family times, that mm-hmm. we can be with one another and we can all give each other the space to do what it is that we want to do. 
And so that's really where it does come around to values, right? How do I want to feel? And also, what are the values that are important to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe it's spaciousness. You know what? Mm-hmm. I want some more spaciousness in this family. Or maybe it's truth and authenticity. No, I, I want to be real. I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to pretend to do things or mm-hmm. to do things I don't want to do. You know, I think um, for a lot of people, even just to think about the holidays, to take a step back and say, well, what do I want? Mm-hmm. Just to just to say that before the holiday, mm-hmm. I think is um, more than a lot of us do, right? Mm-hmm. I think that um, a lot of times my experience of the ho- of the holidays is either that I am on a speeding train rushing toward the deadline mm-hmm. of the holidays, yeah. <laughs> the, the yes. cliff. Mm-hmm. of the holidays or i have the opposite sensation where the holidays are a speeding train bearing down on me and i'm yeah. like tied to the tracks mm-hmm. so i think even to pause and say as we were saying before what do i want how do i want to feel is a huge thing and i think this idea of thinking about your values is like another further step that can enrich our conversation with ourselves about how just how we want our lives to actually go mm-hmm. right and it's not about a rigid um planning every single thing right mm-hmm. and it's not about um somehow being selfish and 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 putting your own needs far above everybody else's needs i think that's a big part of the should mm-hmm. mindset right is that if i even think if i even allow myself to think about what i want women are so programmed mm-hmm. Any marginalized group is so programmed to put their own needs second Mm -hmm. that uh, I think it's a really big thing to think about just to say, what do I want? How do I want this to feel? How do I want this to go? And then to say, well, what are my values? What are the values that I want to enact around the holidays? Mm -hmm. And I think that's also just to return to our original theme. When you're setting boundaries, knowing what your values are can be really key to that. Like, why is it that it's intolerable to you to sit there at the table with Uncle Ted and hear him make that joke Mm -hmm. that he makes every year? Mm -hmm. Why is it that it is intolerable for you to go into the kitchen with all the other women in the family and do all the cooking and all the cleaning when all the men are in the living room watching football all weekend. Why does that feel so bad? Mm-hmm. Why is it intolerable to you that um, cousin Sally um, makes that comment about um, how you've loaded up your plate at Thanksgiving? Like, mm-hmm. what are the values that are behind why you're having these visceral responses to things? Mm-hmm. That yeah. cause you that that are like a clarion call to like okay I need to set some boundaries here yeah and you know the corollary question for me to being clear about the boundaries is and who do I want to be Love like that. who do I want to be in this situation right um, 
And to remember that, you know, I, I love this. I use the potluck metaphor a lot for co-creation, right? So um, sometimes at the holidays, there is a literal potluck, but I'm talking about an energetic potluck, right? We're mm. all bringing a dish. We're all bringing something to contribute, <laughs> right? And um, I know in a literal potluck, I'm definitely bringing vegetables because I want to make sure there's lots of vegetables there, right? But the, I can do the same thing energetically. You know what? I'm going to bring a like full permission for people to take personal space mm. because I know there's not going to be a lot of that. So I'm bringing that energetically to the potluck. You know, there's also this piece, Emma, that in so doing, we are creating a different family when mm. we're doing it on purpose, when we're thinking about how do I want to feel? What are my values? Who do I want to be? We show up on purpose and we, we, our part of the co-creation of family is empowered with our desires and with our personal integrity. It is actually deeply revolutionary, mm. <laughs> right? It can really shift and change a family. Truly. And especially when you think about how like the kid, like the like the kids are watching, like if there's children in your family, yes, the kid, the kids are watching all of this unfold. Yes. Yes. We're modeling, right? We're, yeah. and it, it we're modeling. Such, it, mm -hmm. it can make such a difference to see, um, even if it doesn't get processed necessarily in a verbal way, um, just for the kids to see, okay, well, um, I don't know, auntie Jane didn't stay in the kitchen and do the dishes. Mm-hmm. You know, my Auntie Jane actually came and um, sat in the parlor and worked on and worked on her, I don't know, read a book or, right. yeah, I don't know, watched the football or went out or invited me to go out and take a walk, right? I totally think that that sort of thing imprints children, like just to see alternatives imprints children on such a deep level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I talk very explicitly with my kids about things like this. We had this this thing this summer where I hadn't seen my mom in a couple of years. She hadn't seen me or the kids in a couple of years. And so mom came for um, kind of a split visit. I got her for like five days and then she went to my sister for a week and then she came back for another five days. And it was great. But it was really interesting. We're not used to having house guests. And when people haven't seen one another for a long time, there, and when we're still living in uncertainty, there can be some pressure to spend all the minutes together oh and to do God, yeah. to do all the things, to have all the conversations, right? That is such a thing. Yeah. And so <laughs> my girls and I, in the break, in the in-between, we talked about it. They were like, I love Gigi so much, but it felt really intense to just have, you know, people around all the time. I'm not used to that. And so we really, mm -hmm. we talked about it and we talked about like, you know, what are the ways that we could take space? And also if someone else needed space, what would make that easier for us? Right? Like we can, we can totally think about like that, right? Like you could, disappear without saying anything into your room for the whole afternoon or you could say I love you so much and I'm so glad you're here and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed I'm gonna take some alone time mm -hmm. right 
I honestly think that for me anyway, that is so essential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just yeah. the ability to say like, you know, actually, like you said earlier, I'm a sovereign being. I need a little bit of space and time. I'm going to take that for myself. I'm going to take a walk by myself. I'm going to take mm-hmm. a nap. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One time, Chris and I went to Chicago for a wedding, and our whole family was going. And I said to my um, my mom and my sister were there and my sister's family and cousins, and I said to my sister and my mom, listen, Chris and I are coming. We're going to stay in a separate hotel like I really wanted to enjoy myself on mm-hmm. this trip yeah so I told them we're gonna stay we're not gonna stay in the same hotel that you're staying in we happen to have a friend in Chicago and um I also said to them we're gonna be available for one meal and one family activity per day on this trip and I said maybe we'll do more um if we if we feel like it if we want to if we're up for it but don't I just want to set expectations that we're not going to be available that like generally that's what we're going to be there for is one is one meal together and one Mm. activity together and it's because I did exactly what you're talking about like at the beginning I thought about how do I want this to go how do I want this to feel what's going to feel good to me um, this was many years ago before I discovered coaching. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always a work in progress, but I was even more of a work in progress at that time. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I really thought about, well, what's I, I, I want to enjoy the time that I do have with my family. And if I'm with them every single second, this, like the, what's going to happen is all the stuff that annoys me is going to come up. Mm-hmm. And I want to stay in the zone of like, just enjoying being with them. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And that, again, right, comes around to when I'm thinking in terms of shoulds, Mm. oh, you know, we haven't seen them in years. We should really we should really go to lunch and dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus, okay, what do I really want? I want high quality time. I want to be sufficiently rested. So, you know, thanks for the offer. Thanks for the offer of the spare room. I'm actually going to grab an Airbnb. Yeah. Right? I'm going to get a little bit of extra space for myself. It's huge. I think one other thing that I wanted to make sure that we talked about on um, this episode was um, what a difference it can make when you think about it in advance mm-hmm. versus going into it kind of blindly and then allowing it to go on too long, like feeling uncomfortable and not really saying anything about it, not taking a step back and reassessing the the situation and then having an explosion, right? Do you recognize this pattern? Totally. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Where you don't really think about it in advance. You don't know what your boundaries are. You get into the situation. Shit starts to go down. You bite the inside of your mouth. You bite your lip and you're like, you just got to get through this next 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. then at minute eight, you're like, you have, you have an explosion. Yep. You, and then, and then, and then of course you feel bad about it. You feel Mm -hmm. like shit about it. So I think that one of the key things about, um, one of the key things that we're saying in this conversation is the idea that like the pre thought is really worth it. Mm -hmm. And then being aware in the moment when it starts to feel bad so that you can really make some decisions about who do I want to be when I, when I set this boundary. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, that that pre-thought, I mean, for me in my everyday life, that happens 
literally every morning, I sit down and I decide, okay, how do I want to feel today? Okay, so what do I need to prioritize? What do I need to believe? How do I need to think about myself, about my day, the, the things on my calendar, about the world? If I want to feel this way, how do I need to how do I need to think and what do I need to prioritize? And that can happen, you know, you, you can do that as a family in the car on the way to the dinner. You can say, hey, how do you want to feel? Right? Yeah, how do you want to feel in this dinner? And we can do that on our own. And we can also do that, you know, semi, semi-collectively. Can you imagine just how much more resourced you will feel? If you give yourself that bit of time to just answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sovereign. How much more sovereign? How much more sovereign, right? And as we all know, family dynamics, they're so... It's like in those, in those dirt roads in Kansas when it's been rainy and a truck's driven through several times, it gets ruts. There's mm-hmm. ruts in the road. There are a lot of ruts in the road where family dynamics are concerned. I know a lot of times it's like, how did I, I thought, I thought I was not the oldest sister who always has to take care of everyone. But suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I'm, I'm looking around. <laughs> Here I am again. I'm yeah. the youngest sister. So I'm like, oh, I thought I wasn't the youngest sister whose feelings get hurt during the board game yes still still still, in there still in there right (laughs) and so it's just like you know being able to hold the both and there okay that dynamic still exists and also I'm still evolving I'm still growing I'm still moving beyond it and I can do it in this really responsive way with integrity I just I love that so okay so let's um oh you know one more thing though Emma I bet I bet someone listening to this podcast is like I'm not seeing anyone. In fact, I'm I'm I opt out of holiday shenanigan. I do my own thing. I stay on my own. Um let's be sure we attend to that too cuz we we've, we've been talking a lot about creating boundaries around family and family dynamics, but there are maybe other boundaries that these folks can make as well. What do you think? Yeah, there are totally folks in that circumstance, either by choice or by circumstance, that Mm -hmm. they find themselves in a situation like that. Um, You know, it's funny. I used to, um, when I was a yoga studio owner, we would have really reduced classes over this time of year because, of course, a lot of people are traveling and having celebrations and there's there's not as many people coming to the yoga studio and I remember starting a series called keeping spirits bright just to acknowledge that and this is when I was really becoming an adult and realizing oh the holidays are actually really hard for some people <laughs> and I remember those keeping spirits bright classes would have dozens and dozens of people in them right people who or on their own, or for people for whom the holidays are a very melancholy time. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, so, so, but I think the same questions will still apply in this case. I totally do. Like, one of the things I think about a lot um, in my own life is that I 
so like you, I'm a life coach and I work, I work from, I, I work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my work is a solitary kind of work, right? Like I don't have coworkers. Um, and I'm an introvert generally as well, even though I love public speaking and I, um, I'm not shy. I'm an introverted person. I tend to be more restored um, by time alone. So one of the things I think about all the time for myself is even though at this moment, maybe I feel I'm enjoying being by myself, I need to look ahead and do some strategizing about making some plans to socialize with other people because I know cognitively, even though I'm not feeling it right now in my Mm -hmm. body, I know that if I don't make some kind of a plan for checking in with people that I, um, it's like that tank runs dry all of a sudden, like Mm -hmm. I'll go from being like happy alone, happy alone, happy alone to suddenly being like, Oh, Oh, I'm lonely. Right. Right. I'm lonely. And, um, one of the ways that I've learned to work with that, not around the holidays, but just in my regular day-to-day life is that I will make, I make more playdates with friends than I necessarily think I'm going to need at Mm -hmm. the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But I recognize that um, even if I'm looking ahead and I'm like, well, right now I feel fine. I I try to account for the fact that in the future, it might not feel that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's this thing, first of all, where I'm always checking in with myself about what my needs are in the moment. And I'm also planning for what future me might need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, the questions that we recommended for people in family situations, you can use these to have boundaries with holiday culture, right? <laughs> you can love that. You can decide to say, like, okay, wait, so how do I want to feel? What are my values? Who do I want to be? So it's not necessarily aversive, like I'm not I'm not I'm not avoiding all of the holiday culture. It is appetitive. It is I have an appetite for being different. I have an appetite for saying, well, I'm really glad to have this time off. And here's how I would like to feel and and, and what I would like to do with it. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So all of this, my dear listener, presupposes that you've got enough battery charge to do it, right? Here we are. We're like, okay, this is what you got to do. Just, you know, get your journal out in the morning and decide how you want to be and who you want to be. And it's like- Do some deep thinking. Do some thinking with that one bar you have left on your phone. Exactly. And the reality (laughs) is you might show up having been on I-95 for seven and a half hours with kids that are complaining and Mm. you might not have- the wherewithal to do that. And so priority number one always is before I can ask myself to show up in this much integrity, let me charge my battery. If it's sleep, if it's alone time, if it's pleasure, if it's clearing out your schedule a little bit when the holiday train when you start to hear it in the background, chugga, 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 right? Oh, let me clear a little extra space in my schedule because I already know that it's going to get, like you said, right? I, let me think ahead. I already know it's going to get wild that week that we're traveling. So let me in advance say no to a couple of deliverables or clear my calendar, a little bit of extra space on my calendar. 
always such a delight to talk with you, Emma, um, whether it is in our daily voxing or here on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here and let our dear listener know where can they find you. You can find me at hangwithemma.com, hangwithemma.com or on Facebook or Instagram, Emma Magenta is my handle. All right, my friends. I was going to say happy holidays, but that's knee-jerk, isn't it? What I really mean is fill-in-the-blank holidays for you. How do you want them to be? How do you want them to feel? Deciding that is the first step to showing up on purpose, and showing up on purpose is a huge contribution to co-creating the family that you really want all right thanks for listening bye for now thank you for listening to this episode of mind witchery to catch all the magic i'm offering please subscribe to the show or if you want a little bit of weekly witchiness in your inbox Sign up for my Sunday letter at mindwitchery.com. If today's episode made you think of a friend or loved one, your sister, your neighbor, please tell them about it. We need more magic makers in this troubled world. Like all good things, this podcast is co-created by stellar people. Our music is by fabulous DJ, artist, and producer Shammy D., our gorgeous art is by the Sorcerers at New Moon Creative. Mind Witchery is produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Natalie Miller. Till next time.